0: Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Doug. I am one of the pastors around here. Uh, They currently have me uh, downstairs, kind of cloistered off, uh, maybe a little bit contained, however you want to phrase that. Uh, But it's a good time down there, and um, I'm so excited to be up here with you, though, because it is great to worship uh, with you and uh, worship with this part of our body. Um, And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at Mark 1, verses 1 through 20. And last week, Tim gave us an overview of Mark. Mark. And we learned uh, that Mark is going to demonstrate how Jesus came uh, as a servant king uh, or suffering servant, as prophets have called him. As Mark begins his gospel, we will be introduced to the kingdom of God. And the title of this sermon, if you have your notes, is, is A New Kingdom. And what's important to understand is that this is not a new kingdom from God's perspective, Uh, You see, from God's perspective, this is the exact same kingdom that he's been building since Genesis 3. However, those of us who were once in the kingdom of darkness, this is a whole new kingdom, and with it comes a whole new life. And for those encountering Jesus in the gospel of Mark, uh, this kingdom uh, would have been very shocking for some, uh, revolutionary to others, but world-changing to everyone, no matter where they came from. You see, the religious leaders of the day were not expecting the kingdom to come in this way. Jesus didn't come as a warrior king or a king demanding justice or coming to get his due. He came to show us that the kingdom was ultimately meant to bring glory to God and to build his kingdom for himself. It was not about politics or military alliances or religiosity. Rather, it was about coming to declare that God had declared peace between himself and rebellious creation and in order to bring that good news mark first wants us to meet a messenger of the kingdom and so starting in verse 2 mark records this as it is written, written in isaiah the prophet i will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way And he ate locust and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so here we have John the Baptist. Literally, he is in the wilderness. He is the voice crying out, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. He's declaring that the Lord is coming, that the king is about to bring in his kingdom, and that this king was not like any king or lord that they had seen before. He was not self-centered or self-interested. He was not here uh, to bring about his own will for just his benefit. His will would benefit us. And in this moment, it's significant. Because John the Baptist uh, was the first prophet for over 400 years. God had been silent for 400 years, and his people had not heard his voice audibly uh, through a prophet for that long. And we might think, well, I haven't heard God's voice for uh, 2,000 years. I haven't, uh, we haven't had anyone since Jesus. Right, but these were people who for hundreds of years beforehand, had been hearing God speak through his prophets, his judges, and his kings. His mouthpiece was here on earth declaring the very will of God. And then suddenly at the end of Malachi, his voice goes silent. And I'm sure we've all experienced the silent treatment before. You're in the middle of a fight with someone, and a second stretches to, to 10, 10 seconds stretch to a minute. Suddenly, five minutes has gone by. Ten minutes has gone by. An hour goes by, and all you want is to know that things are going to be okay. Uh, that you, you want to break the silence, but you don't know how to any longer. You see, for me, I, I experienced this once with one of my best friends. Uh, well before I met my wife, uh, I liked a girl, and she was going to be no good for me, and he happened to like the exact same girl. I was a sophomore and he was a senior and uh, we both thought that, man, we should go out with this girl. And when he started dating her, I felt slighted. I was upset that he would go out with this girl after we had, I had said I liked her before he ever did. How dare he do this to me? And so he sent me a text message and I ignored it. And he sent me another one, I ignored that too. He called me and I hung up the phone or I just silenced him. Sent me a couple more messages that day and uh, each and every time I chose to ignore him. And so I went from spending nearly uh, every waking minute I could with this man, with this friend of mine, to shutting him out completely and a day stretched into a week and a week stretched into a month and a month stretched into six. And I was on the verge of just completely writing him off, and all of a sudden uh, we decided to send each other a message nearly at the same time. The message was basically, I miss you, man. I miss my friend. And for me in that moment, the, the peace that came with it, that, man, we could still be friends, even with all this junk going on, was overwhelming. Now imagine then you're the Israelites, and the God you have Desperately wanted to speak to you again, suddenly shows up and says, I'm coming for you again. I'm here. It's not just a message of, uh, I'm going to bring you with you my trouble. I've made peace with you. Luke 2, uh, when the shepherds declare, uh, or when the angels declare to the shepherds, the message is, Peace on earth with whom his favor rests. I've made peace. This is the God of all creation who suddenly steps back in and says, I'm making peace with you, my rebellious creation. You don't deserve it. You couldn't earn it, but I'm going to make peace with you. And this is what John the Baptist gets to declare. God has made peace between you and him you see, God was still taking care of his people. It wasn't like me and my friend where we just stopped having any communication. It wasn't like maybe you and your spouse where you're not talking to each other. So you go into the kitchen and you make yourself a cup of coffee and you know they want one too, but you're not gonna pull out a cup. You're not gonna pour them coffee. You're going to. They walk by you and you kind of avoid them as best as possible. It's not that way. God was desperately wanting to be with us and he has taken care of us. He had never forgotten us. Uh, but for 400 years he wasn't going to speak in the same way and the silence was filled with anticipation of what he might end up speaking to his people and the message was simple the kingdom of God is near get your affairs in order repent believe and be baptized and this is the message that John, or that John wanted us to know, that Mark said we need to hear first is from John the Baptist, because what is happening is he's about to introduce us to the king. He's about to make an introduction between God and his people. You see, Mark 1, 1 says this at the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is Mark's introduction to who Jesus is, and he didn't want there to be any mistake about who Jesus actually was. You see, there's three different titles there. There's Jesus, who is the anointed one, Messiah, who is the anointed one. Both those mean the same, and there's this double meaning there, and it's this emphasis that Jesus is truly the anointed one from God and then he says he is the very son of God. This is not just a man, this is not just a prophet, this is not another king, this is not another priest, this is not uh, just another person here before you. This is my very son. And Mark wants us to make sure we understand that this is the son of God. And then our second introduction to the king it comes in Mark 1:11. And it says, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son. This is God speaking. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God makes it very clear to all who would have heard that this was his actual, uh, this was the one who was the very nature of himself. That here on earth, he was the son of God, not just the son of man. You see, God was no longer cloistered away. He stood in front of his people. He was here to be with them. And if you've ever met someone who you've only dreamt of meeting, this is a big moment. Recently, I had the chance to meet uh, kind of a hero of mine. He's a, he's a pastor, and um, he's really impacted my ministry. He's impacted the way I think. And we were at a conference as a staff And I happened to run into him as I was walking out of a breakout session. And I'm standing there and I'm talking to him and I'm I'm freaking out in my head. I'm literally trembling. Like I'm holding a piece of paper and my hand is doing this and I can't stop it. I wanna, uh, and I can't get the words out to communicate just how much he means to me. And I wonder if I would have the same reaction to Jesus. Do I hold him in such high esteem? You see, because oftentimes, I don't know if we treat meeting our king the same way. But we should. We should absolutely treat him in that same way because he was here to show us a way forward. We had gotten so lost in our own way that we had built up a kingdom that we thought was light and was pure darkness. You see, Jesus came to show us how to live by living among us. He showed us that the law was not just about right actions, but having a right heart. You see, because righteousness is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason, this is what our king was showing us. He was showing us how to do this thing. He was showing us how to interact on a day in and day out basis. He was bringing a kingdom that was unexpected. He was coming to say that he delighted in mercy over judgment. That no matter how many times we messed up, he was still going to reach out and bring us back in. That no matter what we did, that this king wasn't going to cast us aside or cast us out. He was here to move us out of the darkness and into the light. And do we treat him with such great respect? Do we treat him with such great reverence when we realize that he moved us to a place we never could have been before? He, we declared songs that he is worthy of all of our praise, uh, all the glory, all the honor. Uh, do we truly believe it? That's what uh, Mark is wanting us to understand, that he was not just a man. He was God himself. We need to treat him as such when we meet him. We don't always meet him. Well, we don't meet him day to day, face to face, but you meet him every time you encounter Scripture. You meet him every time you encounter another believer. Think about that for a second. Every time we encounter another believer, we are encountering Christ himself. It is Christ living in us that we should see in one another. Do I treat other believers in such a way? Do I treat others the way he would have me treat them? That is the message he is declaring. And it's not meant to make us feel bad. It's meant to say, uh, we need to do better because he deserves better. And when when Christ came in that moment, he came for uh, two reasons. First, to set up his kingdom, to say, I'm showing you the reality of the new kingdom. And then secondly, he's inviting us in to a brand new celebration. In verses nine through 11, it says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just an aside, this is my absolute all-time favorite verse. I say that about a lot of Bible verses. Verse 10 of Mark 1. If you don't have it highlighted, written down, memorized, memorize it. It is amazing to me because here's what it says. Just as Jesus Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. It is my favorite verse because if you get the, the picture in your mind, Jesus is in the, in the river, right? John is baptized him. He's coming up out. And before he can really come up out, it says just as he's getting, coming out of the water, God rips Open heaven to declare that this is my son with whom I am well pleased. God could not wait to declare his love for his son and say, this is the one you need. I don't care what else is happening. This is the one you need. And it's foreshadowing what would happen on Jesus' death when the, te- or when the veil is torn in two. God at Jesus' baptism tears heaven open and says, this is my son. You no longer have to go to anyone but him. If you're hurt, go to him. If you're broken, go to him. If you need a touch, go to him. If you need a word of encouragement, go to him. There's no one stopping you from getting to me any longer. This is my son. With him, I am well pleased. He is my beloved. And so the foreshadowing is also an immediate reality that the son of God is with us. And this new celebration, this baptism, was not just for Jesus. You see, Jesus wants us to participate in this sign of the new covenant. And it's an amazing difference between this and the Old Covenant because the Old Covenant would have been limited to males. You only got the sign of the covenant if you were a guy because that was circumcision and it wasn't a fun sign to have to get. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes and says, there's a new celebration because I'm giving you a new covenant. Go and be baptized. And so we know that baptism is to represent Jesus' death his burial, and ultimately his resurrection as we come up out of the water. And how amazing would it be if during our baptism or during our baptisms, future baptisms, because we only get baptized once, how amazing would it be if those who get baptized came up out of the water declaring, this is my God. I am so satisfied in him. Nothing compares. Could you imagine if someone came up out of the water, barely able to grab a breath, and said, that's my God. I love him so much. What impact would that have on a watching world? Because for those in the Judean countryside uh, that would have heard God declare this over Jesus, there was no mistaking who he was and where he stood. And to a watching world, if we came out of baptism saying, that's my God, there would be no no mistaking whose we were and what we were all about. Baptism is meant to be that. That's what the celebration is meant to be for us. It's not meant to just be a a thing we do, a checkbox to mark it's meant to be a celebration. It's meant to be a declaring that we are his children, that we have been adopted, and that is my daddy, and I cannot wait to get back with him. I cannot wait to be near him, and I want you to know him too. That's the point of baptism, because as soon as we get baptized, we're going to or we're gonna go be about work, because verse 12 picks up, and it says, at once. There's no delay, there's no tearing, there is only haste in this next moment. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news." You see, Jesus didn't wait. He goes into the wilderness for one reason. He goes and puts Satan on notice. The battle is won. The victory is coming. Your time is limited. You might have thought you had a foothold here, but I'm here to take out your kingdom. The kingdom has come, uh, the light has come, and the darkness has not overcome it. He went to work immediately, and he wants us to join in his work immediately also. You see, the messenger was taken away, but the king has come, so the message hasn't been lost. And he's getting to work, and he's saying, I want you to get to work right alongside me. He's getting ready to give us new work and a new purpose. In verse 16, we pick up, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone on a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You see, Jesus calls these men to himself and says, find your purpose in me. He uses language they would understand. They were fishermen. So what else do you say to a fisherman? But come with me and I'll make you a fisher of people. They got what the work would have been. They got that it was going out daily and dropping your net and pulling it up. And sometimes you find nothing. So you go to another spot and you drop your net and you pull it up. And man, maybe there's one or two. And some days you go out and you, you drop your net and suddenly uh, there's way more fish than you ever could have imagined. Uh, at the end of the gospel accounts, we see Jesus doing that, showing them that the harvest would eventually be plentiful, that there would be more than they could ever imagine at the end of this thing, uh, that their new work and new purpose would be better than going back to just fishing. He was reminding his people that. And so here's what I, I imagine and I'm confident in this. This is just me speaking, so it's not fact, but I'm, I'm pretty confident. He, does, he says, be fishers of men for one reason. It was the language they understood. I am not called to be a fisher of men. Because if I was a fisher of men, I would literally never come back with anything. I've gone fishing dozens of times in my life. And I can't ever recall catching a fish. Literally, I watch people catch fish besides me. Uh, I was with a little girl the other day and her family and my boys, and she caught a fish and I didn't. She was the only one who caught a fish and I didn't. And so the idea of being a fisher of people, of being a fisher of men does nothing for me. It does nothing for you or for, for me. And so maybe it does nothing for you. And so if you're a lawyer, here's what I think he's saying. Go be an advocate for souls. If you work in the government, uh, I will make you stewards of the most precious commodity, my very people. Accountants, account for hearts and minds, not just money. Military, protect those who are in my kingdom and those who are yet to come. To stay at home parents, I think he's got two messages. Introduce little hearts to a really big God. I can't say that enough, introduce little hearts to a really big God. And secondly, keep them alive, but point them to the one who will keep them alive forever. You see, he uses the language that we understand. He's saying, whatever it is you're doing, do it for me. It's bigger than you or I, it's always about him. You see, when I worked at Wells Fargo, My job was to secure people's mortgages, to make sure that they were able to have a home, that they would be able to buy maybe their dream home, that they could buy the thing that they've always wanted, that they can get this piece of security for themselves. And I would have been wrong if I never once said, while I'm securing your home here, let me help you secure your home for eternity. That was my ultimate purpose. It was never, ever about securing mortgages. It was always about securing eternities. I don't do the work. I just point them to the one who will. I say, let me be the messenger to introduce you to my king so you could join with me in this celebration. And that is the purpose of Mark 1. Because uh, this is all about him. It's always been about him and his purpose for all of us. While the language will be different, the message is always the same. Become a messenger for me. Become a messenger for me. Become one who declares my name. Become one who declares my story. Become one who declares the things of me. You see, there's a song that I love and it's called So Will I. Many of you probably know it. But the bridge says if the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still fall shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. That last two lines there might not make a whole lot of sense. Unless we realize that the if is always going to come true. The sum of all our praises will always fall shy. It will never be enough. We need more voices to lift their voices to the one who deserves all of our praise, all of our glory, all of our honor. We have to declare it a hundred billion times. We can't exhaust of this message because we can never exhaust our praise towards God. And so we join in the work of becoming messengers so that people will know a king, so that they will uh, join in the celebration in order to get a new work and a new purpose to continue the cycle over and over and over again. Mark's message in these first 20 verses is introduce people to Jesus. Introduce them to a king they never thought they would know introduce others to the king so they can join in that celebration. It's not meant to be a sad thing when someone comes to Jesus. It's a good thing. And when they get baptized and declare that they're his, that's an even better thing. Maybe not an even better thing, but a really cool thing. And then we get to say, now don't delay. Go be a messenger. Go be a messenger because I don't know if any of you have ever met a new believer. They're the best messengers we have. They still have a part of their life in this old kingdom. They're still really tied up in it because that's where they just came out of. And so they have the opportunity and the platform to say, I want you to meet my king. I want you to meet this Jesus that I met for the first time. They are our best messengers. I don't care how theologically accurate they always are most of the time they aren't. That's really difficult for me to say. I care about theological precision, but I care more about the message. I want Jesus's message to go out. And if new believers are the way it's going to be done, let's get some new believers. We need people who get this idea that they are so excited that they want others to meet the king too. And that's the whole point of this message. That's the whole point of Mark 1. He's saying, go get more messengers. None of you are going to be John the Baptist. None of you are, well, maybe some of you are called to be evangelists. But you're all called to be messengers. If you aren't called to be an evangelist, that's okay. You're still called to share the message. You might not bring hundreds of thousands of people like Billy Graham, but you could bring one or two. If you have a family, man, share that message with them. If you have parents, share that with them. If there's no one who likes you, let's get you to look a little bit more like Jesus and then go share the message. Whatever it takes, we need to be the messengers in order for a world to meet our King. So as we go out today, I want to ask where you are in this. Have you joined the celebration? If you're a believer and you haven't, what's holding you back? Go get baptized. Believe in Jesus, be baptized. Those are steps one and two. If you've done step one, go step, go do step two. And if you're if you've been baptized, man, go share other or share with others the good news about who Jesus is. It doesn't have to be more complicated than man. I met a, I met a guy named Jesus. He's really cool. He accepted me when no one else would. He he gave me healing when I was broken. He was an ear to listen to me when no one else would. He forgave me when I couldn't forgive myself. However you want to say it, it doesn't have to be more than that. It absolutely will develop into more than that. But the message is simple. Jesus cares about you and he cares about me. Will you join me in following him? Will you join me in building his kingdom? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you have come, uh, that you have sent a messenger ahead of us so that we might meet you. Father, whoever that messenger was in our own life, we thank you for them. We thank you for the influence that they had in our lives, uh, that we would be able to know who you are. Father, I ask that as we uh, look at what steps we need to take next, that you would give us very clearly uh, the next right step, that we would move in righteousness with a a right heart and a right mind uh, for the right reasons. Father, that as we seek to build your kingdom, it would always be about you and never be about us. And Father, would you just energize us as we go into a world that needs many more messengers? Would you remind us that the light has come and the darkness has not overtaken it, that you will never be overtaken? Father, be with us this morning as we go. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.